Hello and welcome to Bad Songwriter Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holmquist. We're here today with Charles Iverson. How are you? I am doing well. How are you, Anna? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm at an Airbnb in Michigan right now, um, surrounded by snow. There were some deer in the yard this afternoon. It's very lovely. So I'm really like in the cozy February wintertime feelings right now. Incredible. What size were the deer? You know, there was like a smaller one, and then there were two that were a little bigger. And when I looked at them out the window and got excited, they all looked at me. It was very, it was great. It's incredible. They knew it. They were sharing a moment with you. They're saying, wow, this person sees us as what we truly are, which is deer. Mm -hmm. And and they're (laughs) pumped about it. Yes. But we're here to talk about bad songs, not deer. So we'll just like get right into that. When did you first start writing songs? So I remember being about seven years old writing um, what I suppose you could call lyrics on (laughs) my parents computer and I just remember sitting there and just coming up with like I would I would be kind of envisioning perhaps what like the music video might look like for the song that I was writing and so I remember writing lyrics first and then as I like progressed into and through you know middle school sixth seventh grade I started getting very dark and I remember writing one or two sets of lyrics where I was like wow these are really dark and deep (laughs) these are just but at the same time I also remember having this kind of like dissonance with what I was writing because I was like yeah I, I I relate to what I'm writing here and this came from me but how could it because I don't feel very dark of course years later that would manifest uh, much more visibly um so yeah I remember writing lyrics first and I didn't actually even start earnestly writing songs until I was probably about 14 mm-hmm. I like did a couple things in between that like I would I remember doing a couple school projects I was like oh I'll, I'll you know write and record a song because my older brother played music still does not as a career but Um, And he had recording equipment. Oh, that's nice. In his room, yeah. And so that was huge because not only did he, like, show me how to use it, but also he was nice enough to let me use it at all because it was, for the time, like, pretty expensive equipment. Right. Um, Because this would have been, gosh, I don't know, early early 2000s around then. So, yeah, like, home recording was not really a thing at that point. Like, you had to actually dig and and shell out pretty good for special gear. But not until I was 14 did I really start actually writing songs. And I, because I didn't really sing until then, I was like horrified Mm -hmm. of letting people hear me sing until about then. And what (laughs) instrument um, did you play? I, at the time, was primarily um, a percussionist. And that sounds pretentious. What I mean is I played drum set and didn't (laughs) give a shit about (laughs) mallet percussion. I wish I did because... I struggle teaching that to my students now, but um, I was mostly a drummer, and then I had been picking up guitar because we had them around, and right. so by the time I started writing, I was primarily writing on guitar. 
Well, you brought some tracks today to share with us. Um, oh, God, is there one that you want to start with? <laughs> you know, let's do it chronologically. We can start with Great. the song The Stranger by my band in high school called The Bugs as Trees. I was um, in high school when I wrote and recorded this, and uh, that's about all we really need to know, I think. <laughs> So we went down to Nashville because my cousin was going to school down there to be an audio engineer. And so we found some musicians through some other connections, like the horn players. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just recorded them in my cousin's bedroom in his house in Nashville. Um, on, I'm playing drums on this track. I'm mm -hmm. singing on this track. I'm playing guitar on this track. Um, Alec Watson is playing keyboard on this track. And Alec was then the keyboard player in my current band, Iverson, um, for the first many years of that band. And so I've been working with Alec since this track. And you'll hear him very shortly ripping... Uh, a jazz piano solo in the middle of the song for some reason. <laughs> most of high school oh and here's that ripping jazz electric piano solo by 16 year old oh, Alec Watson high school jazz musicians <laughs> I can tell <laughs> and you know what I think everybody knew from this track <laughs> <laughs> Real extended section here. 
release this as part of an album? Yeah, this was part of a, a double album we released. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, this band was fronted by me and a friend of mine in high school who also was a pretty prolific, relatively speaking, uh, songwriter. Mm-hmm. And so we just had a lot of material, more than one may typically have as a band in, in high school, but um, a lot of the material was quite different, so we chose to record a long double album. was before I realized that you could um, tune vocals. <laughs> tune that is a fun thing you can do. So that's uh, that's The Stranger by, by Bugs' Trees. What's the next one you have for us? Oh, shit. So the next one is um, apparently a song called Days We Once Knew. I had the date 11-6 on this, November 6th. I, this would have been November 6, 2013. And it was uh, a demo that I put together and kind of half completed, which is often what I'll do before I'm certain that I want to commit to a song. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's what this one is. And this one is ultra bad. I feel like this <laughs> one is ob- objectively bad, um, which I'm sure we'll we'll discuss the nuance uh, <laughs> in a little bit here. But yeah, this one I think is just objectively bad. Um, so let's let's let her rip. embarrassing to you about this track um it it feels too earnest in a way that i'm not personally connected to yeah i i feel like as especially this line i need to know you sexually (laughs) that is this is the grossest thing i've ever written in my entire fucking life so that's a big that's a big part of it um yeah this was also written and recorded during a time that I was 
kind of having an internal renaissance in so, so many ways, far more than we can scratch the surface on in, in one conversation. But um, part of that, I was kind of exploring my singing voice a lot more. Yeah. Um, because what I was used to doing, for instance, like in high school and things like that, was more going for character and less for um, technical showiness, I suppose. Right. And so I was kind of exploring that because I was getting super, super into um, vocalists like Jeff Buckley, and I was deeply reconnecting with like a lifelong affinity with um, Freddie Mercury. Yes. Uh, And so I was kind of exploring... Wow, it's getting so intense. Uh, I forgot about (laughs) this part. I was just kind of exploring my range, like literal, my literal vocal range. And I would, I remember driving to and from my shitty jobs at the time, singing along with Queen songs and being like, wow, wow, holy shit. I really, yeah, like I can like really sing all this shit, like just like Freddie can. And I think like maybe sometimes that was kind of true. Yeah. But also... (laughs) For the most part, it wasn't. It's just that I was listening to it so loud that I couldn't actually hear the quality of my own voice. So on this track, the, the chorus is, was kind of one of the first times I was really reaching, right? and I, I wasn't landing it. <laughs> yeah, I can connect with that feeling, too, of like just feeling like older material is earnest in a way that you're not and also can connect with the idea of like not knowing where your own voice sits yet and like not being comfortable with your own range like I think I just have such a so much better understanding of like what I can do vocally and where my range is and what is going to sound like good for me and like where to like what key to place a song in (laughs) when I'm writing it you know to really like maximize like the vocal you know the vocals on it that's what a great gift (laughs) Yeah. to learn that absolutely yeah i mean it's obviously it's necessary it's you can't skip that step um but i'm no. also a person that loves to skip steps so yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so anything from that era which was kind of the start of my project iverson was around that mm. time in 2013 so much of that and the next track we're going to play is also from that era and that the next track actually came before the one we just heard but yeah, it was just it was during a time where I was really trying to kind of reinvent the energy that I was putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, because prior to that, all of my high school years and early twenties were just soaked with mental illness, just completely saturated with yeah. it. And I was kind of coming out of that in my like early twenties, feeling just so disgusted with the idea of like putting anything out of your body other than the truest, most vibrant, undiluted form of your own personal energy and power that you could. It just seemed like a horrible, horrible mistake to do anything less than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But also because of that, um, I think I easily got overzealous about certain things and that's where it got into that territory of I you know I wasn't guarding as much which I don't think is always a good thing I feel like there's always the talk of 
you know, the more honest you are in art, the better. And I just don't really think that's true. I think you have to exercise some level of disconnect from your true inner, internal self. It obviously should, inf- I feel like it should inform one's work. Right. Um, but mostly I feel like it should be kind of the turbine that powers it rather than the actual output. I love that. I mean, I don't think that like burying your soul and and creating something that's like 100% like honest and your raw feelings is like necessary to create good art. There's so much art that is in the world that is like not that. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. very far removed from a person. Like I think that's what I really love about the last Mitski album is that she was writing from a character, you know, and it's mm-hmm. people people assumed that, oh, well, these songs are about you. Well, these are all about your own experiences. But they they weren't. And that album is amazing and it touches me, you know. Yeah. And it was like not necessary like obviously like she seems like an authentic like great artist whatever but it's not necessary to like translate all of your own like personal feelings and experiences into the art for it to be good right all right you want to get into this last track oh sure god let's do it <laughs> lord um yeah i guess my preface for this one is this was kind of the first entry into kind of what I feel like you know was my at the time new identity Mm -hmm. um, in so many ways and so this one was kind of this like revolutionary moment for me I remember being down in my basement in Nashville where I was then living at the time and um, we had like my roommates and I had built basically like a semi-enclosed studio so we had this like shitty little vocal booth that was just kind of framed out with two by fours and then we just packed it with um insulation and so (laughs) I remember like standing in that little room with like the dank basement floor that was always like wet and gross and musty and like surprising the fuck out of myself which is really hard to do because I've just I've played a lot of music and I've studied a lot of music and I've just heard a lot of fucking music and I've always had a very jaded streak in me and so anytime that I can actually surprise myself is always like a big kind of life-altering moment it doesn't happen often but this was one of those times but again just goes to show that it's the product of these big things or these super earnest pure things aren't necessarily always your best work Mm -hmm. um so, again, you'll just hear the overzealousness and my <laughs> obsession with um, Freddie Mercury at the time. So this is Stand Up by Iverson. I'm 
conversation made me tired and I fell asleep off the fence. I landed on my feet. Yeah, I landed on my feet again. to me though about hearing these like earnest older tracks from a lot because there's plenty of people who bring in very earnest things too and show them and like I I myself am embarrassed by my very earnest older work but it also is like sweet it's yeah like coming from such a sweet place I do I do agree Is that Freddie Mercury featured on the track? <laughs> Holy oh, shit. Oh, wow. Wow. Ooh. What a feature. <laughs> How'd they swing that one? We feel the ground begin to move beneath our feet. The time is coming near for all the people on the street. With more of us than them combined, our love will never die. I'll fight for you if you fight for me and all the human lives. song you released um no this actually never got released in this form it -hmm. got re-recorded and released later (laughs) (laughs) so i think i threw that in as a joke at the time but then i kept it because i think then i was like you know what that's actually kind of cool i love that which I don't, I just, I, I can't today understand how that would be cool, but <laughs> at the time, I don't know, I, I guess I, I really wanted it in there. Yeah. I think it was just this thing where I was like, wow, people be like, yo, yeah, you kind of sound like uh, Freddie Mercury, that's super cool. And people did, but... Also, it never seemed to actually be that impressive. So I think it was just impressive to me for a short time. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I mean, you do have a good voice. Thank you. (laughs) It's, yeah, and so that's the thing. With all three of these tracks, I don't know that I would, like, fully say that they're all objectively bad from a technical perspective. Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've been playing 
many instruments for a long time and I've never re- I've never been horrible at them other than like when I was like first starting but it's like I learned right. quickly I picked it up really fast and that was always just like my thing I like didn't have any other shit that I was that good at and like that was the thing and I also just spend a lot of time on it and I for whatever reason I don't know where it came from but like I always really had the desire to be like no I just want to be like actually good I want it to be like mm-hmm. not even a point of, of argument whether I'm like good at what I do or not I'm fine with people not liking what I'm doing right but I don't want it ever to be part of the argument like well yeah Charles is, just isn't very good and so I feel like I, I always have been good quote-unquote good from a technical standpoint maybe except for singing because that was kind of the last thing that I added as far as my skill set and I'm still improving at that and I still have many 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 days where I'm like wow I truly just have no fucking clue how to sing (laughs) a single note I just can't even sing a single note properly and this is horrible um so I don't feel like any of the songs are bad from that aspect but like we've been mentioning I feel like a lot of it is they're bad to me because they were reaching out on something that was maybe too earnest that last song definitely reaching out on something that was very naive. And so it's the energy that I feel from the songs that I feel are bad. And that's that's the thing too is like with that last track, for instance, like I was, you know, a 22, 23-year-old white person from like rural suburban Illinois who thought by writing like just kind of vaguely inspirational, empowering slammers which Mm -hmm. I don't even know if they were at the time I was like wow this fucking slams (laughs) um I thought by doing that as like a 23 year old white person that it was like wow this is like my life's work and someday I'll get so famous and I will unite everybody and we're gonna destroy the status quo and everything will be good (laughs) um (laughs) And that was kind of the impetus of the project Iverson from the start, you know, and a lot of it was internal. It wasn't always like, yeah, I'm going to go be this guru of peace and uh, indie pop dance bangers. Um, (laughs) A lot of it, that was just kind of outwardly what I was trying to do. But inwardly, it was more so just that like renaissance of like, I'm now starting to learn how to live with mental illness, but I've also reached a point with coping with mental illness that I don't really even have that severe of side effects from it anymore. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of a celebration of that, but also trying to buck a past of um, just being so fucking depressed all the time and just letting that poison all of my music and my relationships and just all of my interaction with people and how I saw people and how I perceived and judged other people and how I perceived and judged myself And so it was just kind of a celebration of being able to shed some of that skin that I had been living in for like almost a decade at that point and really struggling in and stepping into kind of this new identity. So a lot of it was that. So it does. And I still do believe to this day that that's like that is a good thing. That's a truly good thing that um, was happening at the time. But on the outside, I was also just doing a lot of drugs and would just <laughs> basically just be ranting about social justice in like shitty dive bars in Nashville to my stoner friends. You know, I mean, true things were said. It's not like I was that off right. base with anything, but it's just kind of like 
over the years, I've I've dropped a lot of that with Iverson because I feel like a, a large portion of that is not really my, it's not my responsibility to be the one that people are listening to for that kind of information right. and data. Um, so I think that's a lot of what it is, is I've just, these songs are bad to me because I was searching for something while I was making them. And so they're not really efficiently delivering anything good <laughs> from that yeah. sense. And how would you say, like, over the years, your process of songwriting has changed? I've, I've really developed a formula at this point, and I kind of hate the formula, and that's something I've been struggling with lately is breaking out of it in some fashion. But I think I developed this formula just from an idea that got into my head many years ago. If you take a song and then just strip it down to just the chords, the melody, and the lyrics, it should stand alone as a great song. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love good production and you can put great production, but even if you produce the shit out of a bad song, it's still going to be a bad song. You know, it might sound really cool, but that's a different aspect then. You're not really talking about the song. You're talking about the production of the song. So that idea got in my head at some point. And so I started doing that and that's kind of turned into this formula and I've been able to break away from that a little bit. So I have gotten better at certain aspects. I, I feel like the main thing that has changed is... I guess just like the driving force behind it. I have over the years become so deeply entrenched in the idea that I don't really give that much of a shit about um, following that trope of like making music that's true to me. And I always, I'm never going to make something that I don't like or that I don't want to hear. I'm never going to make something that 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 doesn't contain truth coming from me. But I also just am such a firm believer that when somebody makes music or any art, you're taking that from yourself and you're giving it to the public. And once it's past that point, it's not yours anymore. Yeah. And so I think I've just really hardened in this mindset that it's like when I'm writing songs, I'm like was mentioned earlier, I'm like writing as a character and it's kind of a foil of myself. It definitely is, but it's, it's like this kind of elevated, less encumbered by physical reality and the realities of my, my body. And so that allows me a lot of freedom to kind of step into that. But I feel like that character is becoming kind of stagnant. And so I feel like the thing that has changed most is I, I really did move into this place that I was like, wow, this is a great headspace to be in. This is going to be so productive. I'm going to get so much good shit out of this character, mm-hmm. this like feeling, you know, this notion of myself. Um, and I think that's what changed, but I think that's also what needs to change again. Yeah. Because it's like I feel like something about that has become stale or has run itself into the ground. But I don't know. I haven't investigated that enough yet. Well, there's always time. I mean, that's like the nice thing about it, right, is that like it's it can always be changing. Like it's one of the things that I've loved about like songwriting over the years is like switching instruments and trying a new Mm -hmm. technique and like hearing some music that just like blows your mind and makes you think about music in a different way and hearing some production thing where you're like, wait, what if I tried that? Or what if I tried this? Or like, what if I approached it like this? And then you like write like, you know, 20 songs one way and you're like, ah, I need something else. Like that's the fun part of it. Like the exploration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the comfort in it is because I know that regardless of what I'm doing, that I will always have songwriting in my life. And 
if I just read that sentence, I would cringe to the point that my skin <laughs> fell off. However, what I, what I mean by that is just like, it's always been a constant in my life. And I'm, I'm like really cautious to offer up any stupid tropes about artistry and songwriting in that sense. But I've just been writing songs for so long now at this point that even though sometimes I kind of just fucking hate it um, <laughs> more often, <laughs> like <laughs> more often than than one might expect, I fucking hate it. Um, but as much as I fucking hate it, I keep coming back to it. And so I just know that's going to be like one of the only constants in my life because if I've had such a fucking terrible time with songwriting sometimes and being a musician I'm like still doing it somehow just right. with no no question and I love questioning shit I will like every week I will question every single aspect of my identity and be like is this there for a reason is this genuine is this actually legitimate mm-hmm. and then I'll investigate it and so that's the one thing that's I just have investigated why I write songs and why I play music so many times that I'm just like you know what I think this is just a thing no matter how frustrating it is a lot of the time (laughs) I know I think about all of the times where it's been painful or frustrating or felt thankless or useless or like the weird fallow periods where I'm like maybe I've written my last song maybe I'm never gonna (laughs) write a song again that's it you know but it 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 never ends. Like, it always comes back. I mean, I started writing songs in, like, middle school, too. So it really has been, like, the majority of my life. Yeah. You know? And it yeah. keeps happening regardless of how shitty it can feel sometimes. So I'm like, well, at this point, you know, I'm 31. So it's like, seems like seems like it's probably here to stay. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing, too, is, like, I don't know about you, but for me, um, I've never gotten worse yeah (laughs) me neither I don't think so (laughs) so I'm just like okay well I'll keep doing it and then maybe someday I will think I'm good all the time (laughs) that's the dream right (laughs) yeah because that's that's really that's the biggest kind of mind fuck in it for me is always listening back to old material and be like wow I like really put this down because I also I know myself and like I mentioned earlier I have deleted so much old material at the time, like after making it, you know, not years right. later, but like that month, I'd be like, yeah, it sucks. I'm going to get rid of that. And so because of that, I've gotten rid of so much stuff that I know that if I kept it at the time, I must have really been like, yeah, this is good. This is great. <laughs> and it's just a serious mindfuck to look back on that and put myself into my body and my mind back then. And it's just, it's so difficult to understand why <laughs> I was so <laughs> committed to so much of... um that but and it makes because it makes me worry now it's like well what if I'm doing that with my music now and I I find that that is true sometimes and I'll go back and forth on that from like week to fucking week and it's so exhausting because I will hear you know a song of mine and I'll go wow this is so fucking hot like I'm going to release this and everybody's gonna be like wow Mm y'all this is so fucking hot and good and I'm just so psyched on it and I'm just like just feeling it so 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 hard and then the next week I'm like this is the most trite fucking garbage anyone has ever fucking made and why am I even doing this <laughs> everyone is better than me every single person who has ever played music or written a song is better than I am and this is the worst thing I've ever heard and then the next week I'll be like 
well, you know, I got to finish that track up because it's going to be really good. People are going to like it. And then it just kind of does this whole cycle over and over again. Yeah. Every fucking time I write and release a song. Same so. here. I mean, I remember especially with the last, like the full band album that I released last year, there was a point because I was like really hyped on. I was super excited. Like, I'm proud of it. But like there was a point where I was just like at the other end of the shame cycle and I like messaged the person who like recorded it um you know was mixing it and producing on it and I was like is this even like is this even an album are these even (laughs) songs I've listened to it so many times maybe it's terrible like maybe this is just a collection of sounds and none of it makes sense together and he was like what are you talking about I'm like I don't know (laughs) I I feel terrible about all of it but you know then I I think it's good now so (laughs) that's good Right. Yeah, well, it's it's just so such a weird uh, process. Yeah, and it, it does always swing back, and nobody's ever complained. Um, yeah. never, <laughs> I wish they would, though. That's the thing is, I I want negative criticism because through my entire life, because I I mean I started playing music really early. I started playing piano when I was like four, mm-hmm. and then I started playing drums when I was six, and so it's like. By the time I was, like, into my adolescence and teen years, I, like, was, you know, objectively, at least relatively speaking, very good at the things that I did. And that's all everybody was always talking about. It's like nobody <laughs> nobody wasn't going like, wow, Charles, that's so amazing. You're so good. And so my entire fucking life from friends and family and, like, people who see me randomly at shows who don't already know me, and see me perform it's always just like wow that was incredible i have no idea how you're not famous like this is the greatest shit that i've ever heard and it's just that Mm -hmm. and that and that and that and i'm like so fucking sick of it because it's like none of those things have have come true i'm not successful i like you know have to work a job that fortunately like is in my field right but also like i don't want to have to work a job because i want writing and recording and performing music to be my job and nobody knows who the fuck I am you know who I am somehow (laughs) (laughs) but you know and so it's just I'm really sick of hearing that because it's just there's a huge dissonance anytime that anybody compliments my work because it's like yeah well well, yeah like I I agree I do I think it's good I really do think it's good like I'm very confident in my skill set and you know I'm a narcissist like any other artist is (laughs) In the sense that it's like I hear my own music and I go like, wow, that's pretty great. That's good. You know, aside from the cycles of not feeling that way. Right. Right. You know, and so there's just that dissonance where it's just like I never get enough negative feedback. And if I ever like talk bad about something that I'm doing, people are like, no, what? No, you got to, you know, you got to be patient and kind with yourself. And it's like, no, because if I do that, I'll never (laughs) improve. And so it's just very frustrating to not get people to talk about how shitty my work is. Or my past work it, <laughs> it is hard to like I I've been writing a lot and like I'm trying to put together the next full band album or maybe a solo album I don't know it's COVID like who knows with who, recording who stuff knows? I don't know what's going to yeah. happen right so but I put together sort of like a big spreadsheet of demos and I've like sent it out to band members and to friends being like pick your favorite and like mm-hmm. please give me notes let me know which ones you don't like let me know which ones you think would work well as a solo thing versus band or like what are the ones that resonate with you and like what are the ones you really think are good because that is helpful 
to me to like hear that because because of those cycle that we're talking about like I have a hard time trusting my own instincts when it comes to like whether or not a song is good like I know that some of them are but like at a certain point I'm like I would love just some feedback because I want to pick the best ones if I have like 30 or 40 songs that I have not all of those are going on the album so I would love some like outside of my own mind feedback on you know what what are the best ones? What are the ones that are really going to like resonate with people? Which are the ones that are going to work together on an album the best? You know, like yeah. yeah, it's tough. It is tough. I just want people to say that I'm bad. <laughs> well, here you are on Bad Songwriter Podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> I jump at any opportunity. Yeah, I love getting the negative feedback. There's um, that website called Submit Hub where you can submit yes. to, to blogs. Yes. <laughs> and mo- yeah, most people know about it. Um, and it's always fun. Like the first time I, you know, I did it was a couple of years ago. And I was like, I was really starry eyed about it. And I was like, wow, that's great. You know, cause they're going to hear this and they're going to go, wow, holy shit. This is fucking great. Can't <laughs> wait to write about this. This is monumental work. Groundbreaking. <laughs> and, you know, obviously that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And the first time I was kind of pissed off. And I remember also emailing uh, Richard Milne at WXRT Chicago, um, and he runs this like program called Local Anesthetic, where it's all the you know it's like local. Bands. Oh yeah. And when I was living in Nashville, my dad had sent one of my CDs to Richard Milne. It's like, yeah, my son is this great songwriter, lives in Nashville, would love to be on the program. And Richard Milne was like. Technically, it has to be local. It's got to be Chicago. If he moves back here, hit us up. Anyway, I moved back in 2015, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm trying to get this new music out to everybody, so I sent some some Iverson stuff. Actually, that track, Stand Up, in its mm-hmm. final version, um, which was reworked a good bit. Um, I sent that to him, you know, thinking that he'd be like, wow, this isn't normally my kind of thing, because he does all that, like, AAA adult contemporary fucking... I don't want to assert my opinion <laughs> too, too hard on it. Anyway, music that I don't fundamentally agree with. Um, right. I sent him an Iverson track thinking he'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't know about this, but it sounds like something that young people will like um, and at least be positive about it. He like came back with an email and was like, wow, yeah, I do remember your other record. I, I loved it. Um, I'm just really surprised that you've made this shift to you know, what we old radio guys would call corporate rock. Because <laughs> wow. I guess, like it, it, it had like a really heavy um, '80s influence as far as the palette of tones being used, which still to right. this day is is kind of what I prefer. But that's just because the '80s were so analog synth heavy, and so it's like if you use an analog right. synthesizer, it, a lot of times people are going to be like, "Oh, it's like the '80s." Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so it had, but it had that kind of polished, you know, '80s radio rock kind of sound and obviously with my voice I again thought it was you know kind of like you know Freddie Mercury but maybe it was actually a little more David Lee Roth (laughs) than I than I would like to have admitted and so yeah so Richard Milne thought it was corporate rock so I sent back an email that was just so scathing just like tearing down all of the shit that (laughs) that I, I presumed him to like you know, which was stuff that I liked in high school too. But I, again, mm-hmm. it was part of this big, just like shedding of my past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I said something about not wanting to sound like that, like bullshit, poor me, indie rock, fucking flannel shit. 
<laughs> so sick of. Uh, and basically, I was talking about Ryan Adams. I was mostly talking about Ryan Adams. Right, yeah. Um, anyway, so at the time, I wasn't really ready for that critical feedback. But then as time went on, I just, I wanted it more and more because I was so fascinated anytime somebody didn't like what I did because it was, like, surprising mm-hmm. to me because it helps <laughs> me get out of that mindset of just assuming, like, if I like it, other people like it. Because, again, one, I'm super jaded. Two, it's so hard to surprise me with any music whatsoever. And so it's really hard for me to find music that I like because I'm just so, so critical of it. But not even in a judgy way. It's just like if I don't feel inspired by it, I don't care about it. I just don't want to listen to it. I understand that. Well, what is some stuff you've been listening to lately that you are feeling inspired by? A couple years, like a year and a half, two years ago, sounds so fucking pretentious i started getting really into japanese city pop (laughs) (laughs) you know what what's true is true it's just Just true safe space it's just true so like japanese city pop is this really flashy sometimes kind of bombastic often um like heavily adorned arrangements um popular in the 80s in in japan but influenced by all like the american pop and funk and disco and like post-disco especially of like the early 80s but there's like something really special about it because also like to this day um, a lot of Japanese artists are just much more willing to go full fucking throttle (laughs) on Uh whatever it is that they're doing which that's how I operate Um, not always to my benefit but um, I just identify with, with that so much. Just the idea of just being like, well, maybe we shouldn't, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, where it's like, is there a reason to do it this bombastically? And if the answer is no, then you just, then you just do it anyway. <laughs> <'Cause that's laughs> do. So I really love that. Um, I also listened to a lot of um, the last couple of years, um, the artist Conan Moccasin. Because I just was kind of having this reinvestment in guitar music that I had, I really lost a lot of appreciation for guitar music and guitars for many, many years. Um, and I was kind of reconnecting to it, and that was something that felt like an agreeable way to do that. And then, as always, I um, probably my number one favorite artist is an artist named Scott Walker. And if you're not familiar, or if the listeners are not familiar, um, He showed up in the 60s as this kind of like pop sensation and his group, the Walker Brothers, was kind of slated to be like the American Beatles. Like they were just getting so huge and they were huge success. And then he split off to do a a solo career and that was getting huge. And people were like, oh, fuck yeah, this guy's a star. And he had that like very croonery voice with these really like ornate, lavish string arrangements, Um, kind of like the old Sinatra shit and that sort of thing. Um, And then he just kept making these solo albums, but they kept getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Eventually, he just disappeared for like 10 or 13 years. And then when he came back, the album that he made and released was just like the most dissonant, horrifying music that (laughs) anyone has ever heard. And then he just continued doing that until he died like a couple years ago. Scott Walker's probably my number one favorite. So I'm always listening to to Scott Walker, both his pop stuff in the 60s and 70s and the horrifying dissonant stuff, which is really <laughs> comforting and beautiful to me for some reason. But yeah. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. 
Oh, I hope we got that slosh in there. That's going to be a I'm good sure we sound did. effect. <laughs> yes, thank That's you ASMR, so much right? for having me. Uh, it's been an absolute delight. Wonderful. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening. I've put a link to Iverson's music in the episode description. You can find us on Instagram at Bad Songwriter and on Twitter at Bad underscore Songwriter. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could rate, review, subscribe, follow, tell a friend about it, share about it on social media. All that really helps us out. If you're a songwriter who wants to be on the show, you can email me at badsongwriterpod at gmail.com. Hope you have a good week. Bye. Don't need a tender to know the slightest mind.